Now, while we may be talking about House of the Dragon and She-Hulk today, the big news is the news. So let's get to it. From the Bought 319 Recording Room, I'm Jake Alexander, and this is the Tweakle Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Alexander, the voice in the void, the lone wolf, your favorite host with the list. How the hell are you? Welcome back to the vault. Welcome back to another episode of the Tweakle Podcast. Hey, uh, look, I'm just so happy to be here. It's been a very stressful week for me. I don't know about the rest of you, but folks are really, really getting on my nerves lately. But I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm de-stressed. I have a coffee. I'm good. I'm very happy to be in the pod. Uh, very happy to be in the vault doing the podcast. I'm so happy you decided to tune in. Hey, uh, look, uh, yeah, like I said in the open, we're going to talk about House of the Dragon, a new episode, and what an episode it was, and we're going to talk about She-Hulk being good again. Um, but the big news is all of the news today. It's a lot of it, and I want to get to all of it and not keep you around too long. So let's get right to it. So good news, bad news. So just before I started recording this uh, section of the uh, podcast, I just realized uh, ex- exactly how much stuff I have for you today. It is a lot. I know I said that in the uh, in the opening, but yeah, it is a lot. So what we're going to do from here on to the end of the episode is we're going to speed run it. I had no intent, no intentions to speed run it, but we're going to have to. So uh, let's jump into the news. Our first news story. Rest in peace to Antonio Inoki. Now, if you don't know who he is, you're probably not a big wrestling fan. If you're a big wrestling fan, you absolutely know who he is. Uh, Antonio Inoki is uh, he's a wrestling god, let's just say it like that. Uh, he passed away on October 1st from complications of, and I hope I say this right, amyloidosis. I have no idea if I said that right. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of disease that attacks your skin and your organs. He died from complications of that. Um, he will best be remembered as the man that fought Muhammad Ali in a mixed martial art back uh match back in the day when basically mma was not a thing right it was very few and far between he basically helped to modernize the sport into what it is today um he also wrestled rick flair in one of the biggest wrestling matches ever you can look it up uh in 1972 which is his biggest accomplishment uh to me as far as wrestling goes he founded new japan pro wrestling which is still around today and is still one of the largest wrestling organizations in the world if you took every wrestling organization in the world new japan would probably probably be number two behind wwe that's how large it is it is huge um after his wrestling career ended he went into politics um he was he actually negotiated with saddam hussein directly for the release of some japanese prisoners that they were holding just before the gulf war kicked off back in the day uh he was a man of many talents a great athlete and the wrestling world truly mourns uh, a giant a giant in the sport he was 79 years old uh lived a great life even though he didn't make it to like 100 or something uh moving on from that uh we finally got the trailer for the last of us the show coming to hbo max uh this series is going to star pedro pascal as joel from the video game um, in a zombie-infested wasteland. I know that sounds like plenty of shows we've had before, but trust me, if you've never played the video game, let me tell you, Last of Us is not just about the zombies. It is not going to be, um, you know, just another zombie story. It's not going to be The Walking Dead. It is going to be something far beyond that. I'm telling you, uh, when this airs on HBO Max, you you are definitely want to uh, uh, keep an eye out for it. Um, the trailer looks superbly and eerily just like the game i know i've said that about a few things but this one truly does um this is going to be another gigantic hit for hbo max they've had a few since uh, hbo max started and even with discovery seeming like they're trying to dismantle everything hbo max has going for it this is still going to be a huge huge hit for them um moving from that we've also got the trailer for the new super mario movie uh yeah there's another super mario movie coming if you didn't know and i I don't know why you didn't know because i've talked about it a few times um chris pratt leads the super mario movie uh it's set to debut in april april next year april 7th actually of next year 2023 um outside of chris pratt you also have jack black 
Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Charlie Day, Seth Rogen, Keegan-Michael Key, Fred Armisen, Sebastian Maniscalco, and Charlie Martinet. Now, the funny thing about uh, Charlie Martinet is that he has voiced Mario for games and other IP properties for many years now, but he's not doing the voice for Mario in this. It's going to be Chris Pratt. Um, I have no idea who he's going to play on the cast. I thought that was kind of, you know, I thought that was kind of very weird to have him in the cast, but him not voicing Mario. So let's just see how this goes. Um, it looks very much like Super Mario Galaxy and, and Super Mario uh, 3. Uh, they got lots of those elements in there, especially Super Mario Galaxy. So if you're familiar with those games, you understand how this is going to look and how this is going to feel. Um, I can say this much. If they don't figure out some way even with Chris Pratt leading this to have the iconic Mario voice in this movie and it actually coming out of Mario's face, the moviegoers, the viewers, they're just going to balk at it. I, I, I promise you, it's, this movie's going to bomb if they don't figure out how to have the, the iconic Mario voice in this. Um, speaking of iconics, of I mean, of uh, iconic things, Silver Surfer is a very iconic character and it looks like he's having a return, not just into films, but into the MCU. Um, the report says that Marvel wants him back out in front of somewhere along the somewhere along the way and they are now planning a silver surfer series on disney plus try saying that three times fast um it is currently in development it's in its early stages they're basically mapping out how they you know want to present it when do they stick it in and how does he fit into the mcu in its current state or where it's going to be down the line um to me introducing such an iconic character through a series is a good idea that's just my opinion uh, there's no need for him to have his own film um, let's just hope, let's just hope if they're going to do this as a series, let's just hope they get their CGI correct. <laughs> Seriously, uh, it just has to be up to snuff when they do it. Believe me. Um, if you didn't know, according to the new series, Velma Dinkley is officially gay. So uh, there's a new Scooby-Doo animated feature out right now, and it, it confirms that she is indeed gay. Now, look, I'm I'm of age. I know and have long suspected that Velma may have been a bi at the very least or gay. It, it, it didn't matter. It's not a big deal, except the folks who are going to make it a big deal. Um, it, uh, just wait. You know, if somebody's going to make it a big deal and there's going to be a big backlash about it. Um, now, there's a separate Velma series just specifically for Velma coming to HBO Max. Uh, it's going to star Mindy Kaling doing the voice of Velma. And it's said to be very adult, very adult and very violent. And it's just focusing on Velma and her um her proclivities to solve mysteries and gather clues and stuff like that this is all before she joins mystery inc even though you will have like shaggy and uh one other person that we have seen along the way in the series at some point um i i mean look like to me it looks like velma's getting a hell of a lot of shine and i'm all for it i like i like me some velma deeply especially when the ladies dress up for it but that's on me that's that's my kink it is what it is um if you know about the orphan black series there's going to be a spinoff court called orphan black echoes now this is going to be a new spinoff coming soon it's going to be streaming on amc plus this is not a reboot i repeat this is not a reboot it's a continuation um kristen ritter is set to star in this 10 episode series um so with her being in this one now, now that will make three mcu names or three marvel names i should say because technically kristen ritter's character of jessica jones isn't in the mcu yet but we know she will be soon um but this makes three proper Marvel characters that are connected with the sci-fi series. Uh, Tatiana Maslany, who now plays She-Hulk, she starred in the original run of the uh, Black of Orphan Black, and uh, Simu Liu, who plays Shang Chi. He was in the original Orphan Black and played in one uh, episode. I think it was just one episode, might have been two, uh, but he played a character called Mr. Mitchell. So it's kind of cool to see. Uh, uh, sci-fi series crossing over at least crossing the actors over into uh, into the MCU um, we also if you didn't know there is a live action transformer series in the works I didn't ask for it but anything transformers I'm all for it uh, the report the report says yes it's a live action series and it is now in development the show will be on like Paramount plus um, I don't have Paramount plus there hasn't been a lot on there that I wanted to see so I don't have it but when this comes out I'll probably pick it back up until the series is over and then ditch it um i'm interested to see actually what they come up with for a series because that much cgi in a series is going to cost a ton of money it'll probably cost as much as making a film but they want to run it as a series so I, the cost that they incur is going to be nuts and i just want to see what they come up with um also in development men in black 
five. So the report says that Will Smith will return to one of his most iconic roles in this new film. And to me, that's signaling that Will Smith is rehabbing his image. <laughs> that that process is in full swing. And uh, this is good, considering that the last MIB was basically ignored by uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, the last one, uh, Men in Black Forge, starred Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa, Tessa Thompson. I don't think the movie was that bad. I just, people didn't see Will They saw Men in Black, but didn't see Will Smith, so they just kind of walked away from it it'll still be under columbia pictures um and I'm, I'm glad for will smith he has another film coming out later this year he has another film in in in, produ in production with it doesn't have a title yet and then this one is, is now in development i'm i'm glad that he's doing something to repair his image and you know get back to working uh but it's not all good for big will so uh along with uh that being in development for will somebody else in that house is also getting down and getting the business and that is his wife jada pinkett smith Apparently, she will have a new tell-all memoir debut next year, 2023. Um, there's no specific release date. They just said it's next year sometime. It is a tell-all book. Uh, it is described as no holds barred. She said she's telling everything as is what is, and she will include everything about her, Will Smith, and Tupac. Look, man, this woman is trouble. She's a pariah. She's a whole lot of things. Um, I, I know today's uh friday tune in tomorrow on the 8th i will have one special episode real quick and i want to just talk about this uh this one thing because i have a lot to say about it but it is too much for me to go into right now uh yeah but just make sure y'all tune back into the podcast tomorrow the 8th saturday uh probably around 12 noon and i will tell you everything that i have uh learned about what this book is supposed to be and my opinions on it um black panther they just released a new trailer and they also gave us the runtime for it now as far as the trailer goes it is beautiful just it is beautiful and just as emotional and and stirring as the first one was which i i don't think anybody would have uh thought anything other this movie is going to be phenomenal um they've said the runtime so uh, as is now it clocks in at two hours and 43 minutes so that means this will be the second longest mcu film uh uh, uh to date um look november 11th can't get here fast enough and at two hours and 43 minutes it's fitting because they will need every minute of that to honor chadwick boseman like they said they wanted to and to set up the story with namor going forward and i, I really do hope that we get uh dr doom in the end because this this is following the uh doom wars uh comic book run uh, and doom was very much in that as the name of that comic book run suggests uh, moving on, uh, another film getting a reboot is one of my all-time favorite uh, sci-fi classics. Uh, what's a cult classic, really? Uh, Starship Troopers. Um, yet the the, the sci-fi cult classic will get get new, fresh life. Um, they're considering Top Gun Maverick and Tron Legacy director uh, Joseph Kosinski to helm the project. Um, there's no word if this is if this this reboot will be like a soft redo, and you know just kind of continue on, or if it'll be an all-out overhaul. I personally am guessing this is going to be an all-out overhaul. Because outside of the Starship Troopers live action film, they had a CGI film and they had an animated series that came out after it. And those were continuations, um, especially that animated series was phenomenal. But very few people watched it because it was, it was Starship Troopers, which you want me to tell you. <laughs> so um, I can't wait for that to come out. I dig the 90s original, so please don't mess this up. That was such a good uh, cult classic film, in, in my opinion. Um, Rust, do you remember that movie? Uh, yeah it, it never got released because they were still shooting it that was the film that alec baldwin was uh helming and he was directing and that's where the uh one of the uh, assistant directors was shot on set when one of the prop guns went off and they blamed alec baldwin and there was this whole legal mess where it looks like the film is getting ready to re, uh resume filming and uh all the way up to its conclusion um alec baldwin is said to have reached a settlement with the widower her the husband of Helena Hutchins, who's the young lady that got killed. Um, he will, I have no idea how much money he's going to receive. I'm pretty sure he's getting some money out of this, but he's also now slated to be as an executive producer on the film. I I have no idea how to feel about this. I really don't. Hollywood is such a weird place. You kill my wife in a in an accident on set, and everybody is everybody does say, even though you know safety protocols weren't followed, this is still very much an accident. But to just turn around and say, well, here's some money, and we'll make you an exec producer on the film after you killed my wife, I I don't know how how I would feel about that. The film is slated to release uh, still sometime next year, 2023. So when the film comes out, I'll watch it actually just to give you an honest 
give you an honest you know honest opinion about it it is what it is another movie another film getting a uh a reboot spawn isn't this about goddamn times i'm sorry i don't mean to cuss but seriously we've been waiting spawn came out in 1997 seriously it was one of the early year films that you know that basically told everybody hey you can do comic book movies and you can make money off of it so uh spawn is the reboot is moving forward that that doesn't come from my opinion or some report that came directly from the man himself todd mcfarlane he created the series he's helming the project um jamie fox is still attached to star as the titular character they've also added the director from joker scott silver and the director he's also the director for the falcon and winter so i'm sorry scott silver directed the joker the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was directed by Mark Malcolm Spellman, and they're both now attached as directors for the project. That's a lot of, you know, heavyweight power for this one thing. You got Jamie Foxx starring in it. You got Todd McFarlane helping write the script and to help direct. Now you add on Scott Silver and Malcolm Spellman. This film is going to be big. It is going to be fantastic. I guarantee you. I, I, I know and we all agree that Blade saved Marvel, but Spawn is also one of those tentpoles comic book movies that people really, really need to like clap their hands and stand up and cheer for and thank for everything we have in comic book movies today. Uh, let's end the news with talking about Rihanna. So she has been tapped to be the Super Bowl entertainment at Super Bowl 57. Uh, come halftime show, it'll be up. It'll be her up there on the stage. She says she's very nervous, but she's very excited. Um, this is the first time we actually get to see Rihanna um, performing quite a while, right? Outside of her, you know, her Fendi X uh, clothing line shows, but we actually get to see her perform, perform. And I, I hope she does some new music between now and then. Uh, I know it's only a few months away. It doesn't seem like it, but this is October. Super Bowl is in late January, early February. It's only a few months away, so maybe she'll debut at least one new song. Who knows? Um, I wonder, and I wonder if she will have any guests with her. Um, obviously, she's on Jay Z's label and have been has been for quite some time. But they've always they've been beefing, especially after he married uh, Beyonce, who is basically her chief rival. <laughs> it is what it is. But she's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. Nobody's really beefing because everybody got the money. Who knows? Maybe Jay Z and Beyonce show up and they all perform together. I don't know. I don't know. I just I just want to see see her perform for the first time and then God knows when. Um, we'll leave the news behind because that was a lot of news. Let's move on to talking about House of the Dragon. Um, this week's episode was called Driftmark. And what if I told you that the best thing in this week's episode uh, for House of Dragons had nothing to do with incest, murder, or the politics of Westeros? Now, I know you probably think I'm insane, but roll with me. Now, last week we saw Lady Lena, who was who is married to Damon. She was having the same type of problem giving birth that uh, that the King Viserys' uh, uh, wife was having. Um, and she decided, hey, look, I'm not going out like that. I'm going out like a warrior, like she wanted. So she walked out to her dragon named Vagar and just, you know, screamed Jakaris, which means told the dragon to breathe fire. And she toasted herself and just, you know, just laid it down. Damon come running out just to catch it at the last second and see it happen. Uh, so after that, uh, this week's episode is, is just everybody showing up in, um, in Driftmark to uh, to lay her to rest and to pay their respects. Um, the, it was very touching. The uh, the entire ceremony of uh, the the gentleman doing it is uh, the Sea Snake's brother, I believe, and he was talking about how our bloodline is pure and you know it's full of salt and we there are no you know he's basically he's basically like talking shit about Rhaenyra's kids not being you know not you know not being legitimate not being hers and laners and everybody knows everybody knows and that comes into play because later on in the uh in in the show which is the big part the big part about the show is that the kids actually get into a fight now i know there's a whole lot that happens in this episode leading up to that but that is the big thing so everything that has infected the relationship between Renera and allison and her father and everybody around them every all these little these little digs at each other and all this little you know mal malcontent and, and ill intent toward each other it has infected all of their kids and their kids start a fight after um uh agon uh, walks out and he basically steals Vagar, the the um, Lady Lena's dragon, out from under her daughters, uh, who were basically going to, you know, take over her mom's spot with the dragon. But he's like, nah. So he went out there, bonded with the dragon, and finally got his dragon after being teased about not having one for the last two episodes. 
Um, it it was funny to see him trying to ride this gigantic dragon because Vagar is the is, is supposedly the biggest dragon uh, uh, in the world in their in their world I should say, and uh, he stole it and that pissed them off. So when they confronted him after he gets back, he told him like, "Hey, she's like, hey, that's my mom's dragon." And he looks at them point blank and says, "Well, your mama's dead, so he's mine now." And they get pissed off and they go to fighting him. Uh, it's uh, both of the daughters of Damon and both of Rhaenyra's kids. They attack him, and he gets the best of them because he's bigger and older and stronger. He knows more about fighting. Uh, but then uh, one of the sons, I want to say it was uh, uh, Lucius, Luke, uh, threw some dirt in his eye, and then Jaceris, the the youngest of the two, he, I mean the oldest of the two, he takes a knife and he basically swings into like an upward motion and cuts one of one of the little boy's eyes out and they pounded the hell out of them and why i'm saying that i'm not saying it is because um not because i like to see kids fight and i like to see you know kids maim each other but it's so very game of thrones ish right for this ceremony that's supposed to be solemn and what would seem like a point where everybody should come back together and be like yo like we are losing people in our family left and right we should be coming together and holding hands and kubanya as much as we can uh nope nope it's not not even in not even at a funeral they obviously can't have weddings without somebody getting killed so apparently they can't even have funerals without somebody getting hurt so he lost an eye um the oh another good part is after that allison wants recompense so she says hey uh she tells sir christian cole go take Go take little man's eye since he since he took my son's eye. And when everybody tells her no, we're not gonna do that, she grabs the knife off of Viserys's belt that uh, that dragon blade, which is basically a, a family heirloom. And he, she goes to cut the little boy's out her uh, eye out herself, and uh, she gets stopped by Rhaenyra, who basically goads her into attacking her with the knife, and she gets cut. And it was great because now Alicent is we see her for what she can be. She can be just as ruthless and just as uh, bloodthirsty as the Targaryen half, as the Blacks, because uh, she's in uh, she's in High Tower and she's off the green side of the family. I told you, I, I told you, this is setting up the Black and the Green from the from the novel. Um, they changed a few things from the novel in this, and it's okay. It's not nothing really big. Um, I love the ending uh, where uh, Lanor is um, he leaves with uh his his lover carl after um people thinking that he's been killed and thrown in the fire uh of the fireplace inside of the hall um and this was all set up by rhaenyra so she can marry damon she actually marries damon in a, in a closed ceremony and now he is her 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 he is the prince consort and when she becomes queen she'll be her right hand i mean he'll yeah he'll be her right hand um that's right out of the book and that's very much in line with game of thrones is targaryen's marry each other and sleep with each other oh yeah i forgot that part and in, in the middle of the beach <laughs> in the middle of the beach damon and um and Renera finally do the deed uh everybody's all pissed off about that but i'm like hey man if you've ever if you know anything about game of thrones or if you've read anything game of thrones yeah you pretty much know this is normal for targaryen so don't get all pissed off about it now it is what it is this is a very very good episode this is a dark episode too i know a lot of people online was all pissed off about um how dark the episode was the actual you know the actual film film filmography of the episode it was dark but everything is supposed to be taking place uh out on an open beach during a moonlit night so if you've ever been out on a night where there's a full moon but it's still night then you know how dark it actually is outside this is, and it does look very much like they're actually outside on a moonlit night on a full moonlit night so it is what it is a uh, very good episode i can't wait to see how this is uh, uh this is going to uh, go forward there's another time skip coming up last episode it was a 10-year time skip that brought us um up to date to uh Renera and her two boys and and the third child so there was no time skip in this one outside of a few days to get everybody there or you know to for the um for the uh, funeral ceremony uh the next episode if i'm not mistaken is going to be another time skip if it is i'll let you know but very good episode house of dragons if you're not watching you're missing out i've said that a hundred times and i'm gonna keep saying it until everybody's watching it um let's move on to she hulk episode uh if i want to think it's eight yes episode eight it's called ribbon and rip it um finally 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 she hulk is back to its stride in fact she hulk has in my opinion found the, the correct balance of humor action uh guest appearances uh, villain use and hulk smashiness smashiness is that a word 
Is that a word? I don't know if it's an actual word. If it's not a word, it is what it is. Um, this week's episode, like I said, is titled Rib- uh, Ribbit and Rip It. Uh, it finds Jen having to defend a face, a new face to the MCU, Leapfrog, which is right from the comics. Um, in the comics, Leapfrog is a villain that clashes with the likes of like Daredevil and Spider-Man, Iron Man, and even Valkyrie at one point. Um, Jen has to take Leapfrog on, whose real name is Vincent Patilio. Uh, he's in. He is suing of all people, Luke Jacobson. Yes, Luke, the same one who designs all of Jen's clothes. Uh, Luke designed this frog suit, um, and it malfunctions in the opening scene of the show. So, so now he's being sued for defective manufacturing. Uh, in court, Jen is ready to start the case, but we see Luke doesn't have a lawyer, and Luke reassures that yes, his lawyer is running a little bit behind, but he will arrive shortly. And would you know it, his lawyer is none other than Matt. Murdoch, aka the man without fear, Daredevil, and you nerds are welcome. So as you finally got him, and I know you were all pissed off about him not showing up uh, yet, but there you go. Now you got him. Uh, Jen doesn't have to have her case, uh, doesn't get a chance, I should say, to get her case heard uh, very much though, uh, as Matt deduces through that very strong sense of smell that he has uh, that Vincent didn't use the correct fuel in the in the booster rockets to his suit in the boot booster rockets. Uh, he had, in fact, used jet fuel, which was against Luke's instructions. And hearing that, the judge dismissed the case. Uh, later on that night at her favorite bar, Matt orders her an, uh, an apple teeny, which is a green cocktail, as a peace offering between the two. He even goes so far as the, giving her advice. Uh, he says that, hey, you can indeed do good as Jen Walters when the, the law calls upon you, and you can do good as She-Hulk when the law fails. Um, pretty much just like he does, right? <laughs> when he, he does all the great he can do when uh, he's a lawyer. And when he's, you know, when the law fails, he takes off his daredevil and gets the real justice. Um, but lucky for us, she has a chance to do just that. So Jen gets a call from uh, Creepy Todd. And I'm going to call him Creepy Todd until he becomes something else uh, to meet him to discuss some sort of business at a restaurant. Turns out he's turns out he just paid a million dollars for a real Wakandan spear, vibranium tip and all. And um, and the officials of Wakanda obviously want it back, considering it was stolen by a bunch of colonizers, which to me, that shows the the the, the dark half of uh, the end of the first Black Panther movie. Remember that they said, hey, we're going to open an outreach center here. We're going to have people come to Wakanda and we're going to share with the world where here you go. Uh, Todd even says that he we went to Wakanda to study for a while. And here we are, uh, him, him buying a spear off the black market, knowing that it was stolen and they want it back. Um, he even, uh, Todd even tries to, uh, hit on Jen outright only to get shut down and the table literally turned on him, uh, back home. Jen then gets another call from Vincent Patilio. He's being chased. Turns out that he's being chased by daredevil. Uh, Jen suits up in that iconic, um, iconic suit made by Luke Jacobson. So you finally get that too, nerds. You actually get to see her fight in her super suit, which is very, very, uh, uh, very, very much like the, um, the Dan slot version um, which is the series is based on the Dan Slott uh, run in She-Hulk. And this is the same suit that she was wearing in that. A little bit more black than white and purple, but it still has white and purple and it has some black high, uh, black accents to it. Um, Jen suits up in her iconic suit and comes to the rescue only to find out that Leapfrog has kidnapped Luke Jacobson and Daredevil is in fact Matt Murdock. Uh, that, that, that was funny watching her pull the thing off and they get into this this whole little back and forth and him telling her like hey i'm daredevil and she looks at him like oh, i have no fucking clue which is who you are and that that was kind of funny um they eventually agree to team up comic book style oddly enough to rescue luke and um it was some brutal daredevil action in the hallway which is very reminiscent of the netflix series um and we got some real funny uh some real funny uh work uh she hulk is basically trying to talk uh uh, leapfrog uh, out of what he's doing like hey you need to chill you're already in trouble for the kidnapping you're like I'm your lawyer I'm trying to I'm trying to advise you and while she's talking to him like being the lawyer lawyer of uh, Matt Matt is in the background doing this daredevil thing just beating the hell out of henchmen and he's actually trying to give her advice at the same time on how to come up with a defense for leapfrog it is that was a very funny sequence um after the fight jen and matt sit on the roof and they jostle sexual tension before they actually do hook up which which is kind of cool because everybody likes jen everybody likes matt they're very much alike and they they do seem like a really cute couple i don't i don't remember them ever hooking up in the, in the comic but it doesn't matter in this in this instance it would very good uh the, the next morning which is kind of funny we'll talk about it later matt does the walk of shame full daredevil costume no shoes on um then nikki shows up uh to help uh jen get ready for the gala 
uh you know the the uh she's supposed to be receiving award for the uh for female lawyer of the year and at the gala gin actually does win female lawyer of the year we actually get to see that sparkly dress that we've seen in the trailers off and on the same one that luke jacobson was making earlier in the, in the show that he tore up when he found out he was being sued um but yeah jen does win female lawyer of the year but the thing about it is, is all the women that got nominated one for female lawyer of the year um that's it's real insulting when you think about it seriously um and just as she's giving her portion of the acceptance speech in pops the hulk king on the giant monitor behind her to discredit her and embarrass jen going as so far going as far as calling her a slut also and he actually showed and we we saw josh take pictures of her after hooking up with her while she was sleeping but we find out that he actually videotaped them having sex as well ah man that's that's rough <laughs> so and, and so if you wanted the the uh, at least one raging hulk somewhere in this series you got it because jen gets pissed and she rips down this gigantic monitor off the stage and uh begins tearing it up the gala hall uh she even bursts through a wall at the end and grabs one of the guys responsible of because they're putting on masks trying to run out and hide hide amongst the crowd but she catches one um but uh, she has to let him go because the dodc and the police are they have her surrounded and she has to let him go and that that last look into the camera of her and that that hard breathing and basically her saying oh my god what have i done i've become the monster that bruce tried to warn me that they would try to turn me into it was such a stirring scene believe me i, I love that last closing shot um overall i'm thrilled with this episode not just because we got to see charlie cox's daredevil in the mcu but because this episode is really a return of She-Hulk back to the form I, I knew it could be. And it was edging close to it and hadn't quite gotten there. It was funny. Her interact with her interaction with Daredevil and Leapfrog was was great. The, the the villain Leapfrog himself was completely ridiculous. There's gravity, there's a little danger. There's everything that She-Hulk from the comic is was encapsulated in this one episode this is the first time and the only time i'm uh, i'm uh ideas it's the first time i ain't gonna say it's the only time it's the first time i can give an episode of anything i i've re, uh, reviewed a 10 out of 10 this was a perfect she hulk episode and i don't know how this series is going to end because they only got one episode left and i am crossing my fingers that that last episode is a hell of a lot longer than 30 minutes because they have a lot to, of stuff to to tackle going into uh going into uh this, this series coming to an end uh maybe she gets into trouble and now she needs matt to be her lawyers but who knows uh we don't know though no. uh let's get into the easter eggs that's the main thing uh from from she hulk there are a lot of easter eggs now uh the first thing we see in this episode is we see leapfrog we see leapfrog aka vincent patilio uh he's straight from the comics he debuted in leapfrog debuted in daredevil number 25 in 1966 um but leapfrog in the comics is actually named eugene patilio He's Vincent's father. Uh, Vincent later on does don the suit um, at, just as his father did, but he's not a villain in the comic book. Vincent Patilio goes on to be Leapfrog or Frogman, uh, either or. He's used both names, and he's not a villain like his dad. He's more of a hero. He does help out like Spider-Man and whatnot here and there. Um, so th for this episode, they kind of reversed the order and made him into a villain and a joke, um, and it works because in the comics, uh, Frogman, I mean, a Leapfrog is very much a joke. Uh, he's just like uh, um, uh, the Wrecking Crew. They everything he does backfires in his face. And making the younger one uh, and making Vincent instead of Eugene into it, and making his father like very rich, and turning uh, Vincent into the uh, villain. That, it it makes sense in this in this run. It's not exactly like the comic, but it does play very much on everything from the comic. Um, also, in episode five of She Hulk, go back a few episodes when this is when Jen. Uh, has Nikki bring her to uh, Luke Jacobson for the first time. There's a guy walking past them going out. That guy actually is Vincent is Vincent Patilio. He's actually showing up at Luke Jacobson's to get his new frog suit. Um, and that's him walking out and getting into the elevator. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, also, at the end of the episode, that's where we saw uh, the Daredevil mask being put into the hat box. So it's kind of cool that they both uh you know hints to them are in episode five and then they both debut fully in this episode together i thought it was pretty cool um and also oh, side note and it was just something i didn't even think about until right before i started and i wrote down this note in the in the margins um go back and listen to the um the the jet boots that leapfrog has and listen to how listen to that sound when they are sputtering out and they fail 
and he falls back to the ground. That is the same sound effect that they used in Star Wars when the Millennium Falcon's engine put her out. It's the exact same sound. I, I love that. I, I love the fact that they took something from Star Wars and brought it into the MCU. That's that's pretty damn cool in my in my opinion. Uh, every episode has a QR code. I didn't do it last episode. I kind of figured you'd find it on your own, but this one was kind of hidden. Uh, I almost missed it. Um, this QR code this week uh, takes you to a comic where Jen is actually representing an old Captain America in a wrongful death longsuit. Uh, wrongful death lawsuit, I should say. Uh, it's fitting because in that comic, um, she's his lawyer and the lawyer on the opposite side is Matt Murdock. And the only reason that Matt Murdock took up the case is because Cap told him to it, told him to do it. Right. I did. Mean, trust me. You need to read it. It's a crazy story. Uh, in fact, a lot of this particular episode is from that comic book run, because I think that was like four or five issues through that story. Um, the, uh, if you're looking for the QR code. When Matt and Jen pull up to uh, Leapfrog's hideout, which has lily pad, literally in gigantic neon lights on top of the building. Not so much, not so secret. Uh, uh, there's a QR code on the, on a, um, on a light post as they pull up. That's the QR code for the, uh, for the comic. It, it's, it's a really good series. If you get a chance to read it, read it. Um, this version of Matt Murdock, uh, this is also Easter egg. Um, this version of Matt Murdock is different from the Netflix series. Um, he's a little bit more flippant. It, it tells a couple of jokes here and there um but it is comic book accurate so if you're mad about it uh, about him being a little bit more um funny i should say and not more brooding and angry um too bad this is comic book accurate this is a comic book accurate um matt murdoch um there is a run uh there's a run of the comic where matt actually leaves new york and moves to la he revealed his secret identity to uh one or two people and um he's out there temporarily but he figures out how to balance being Matt and being Daredevil. And he finds um, a bit of happiness outside of it. Um, it, it's, it was written by Mark Wade, uh, W-A-I-D, if you want to go look for it. Um, so if you're mad at, like I said, if you're mad at his attitude of it being slightly different than the Netflix series, let it go. It's fine. This is comic book accurate. I thought all you want, I thought all you nerds wanted comic book accurate stuff. So here they are giving it to you, but you still aren't happy. So you're going to have to tell me what the hell you want. Uh, another Easter egg, uh, while they're in court, at the beginning of the at the beginning of the episode, we hear uh, Matt Murdock say that the Sokovia Accords, the, the the Sokovia Accords got repealed. Now, this is the first time that the Sokovia Accords have been brought up in quite a while. Probably not since, oh, uh, what's not since Infinity War, maybe in game perhaps it, it's, it's been a while let's just say that um my guess is I'd, i i want to know when did they get repealed I'd, I'd guess after the events of in game more than likely i mean you get half the universe wiped out and then the avengers you know go to work and return them i, I guess everybody would probably be saying say hey you know i guess these accords was a bad idea you know let's get rid of these laws but uh yeah so apparently the Scovy accords are gone um, that's good because you don't need them. We don't need to have what happened to <laughs> Spider-Man inside of uh, Civil War uh, from the comics happened in, in the MCU. And if you don't know what it is, go read Civil War. It's one of the better uh, comic book uh, comic book events ever, honestly. Um, what, another Easter egg is when Matt and Jen are talking in the bar after the after the first court case. Uh, she asked him, hey, like, why did you leave L.A.? And I mean, why did you leave New York and come all the way to L.A. Uh, just for a case? And Matt replies that Luke is a friend that made him some new, quote, new suits. So if these are new suits, knowing the type of suit that Luke makes, that means his old costumes, his old suits from the Netflix series needed to be replaced for whatever reason. And the old guy that was making them, his name was Melvin Potter. The last time we saw Melvin Potter, he was getting arrested, right, in the Netflix series. So if Melvin Potter is in prison for violating his parole and doing the things he shouldn't have been doing, even though he was helping uh, Matt, um then obviously he needed somebody to make him some new suits so the two questions the one question i got is hey who hooked you up with luke how did you find luke i would, I would like to see who who got him hooked up with that but you know i it would, if melvin potter is locked up and and luke jacobson is now making his suits then him telling me well i needed some new suits then that means everything from the netflix series is mcu canon which everybody was so very worried about so this shows you that all of those netflix series can be brought into the mcu if you have some intelligent writers that's all you need just have some intelligent writers let them do their job you can have everything connected you can have everything make sense it is not that hard take it from somebody who likes to write <laughs> uh, another easter egg is uh later on after we see todd talking to jen about the wakandan spear that he bought at the auction um 
I love that because it plays right into the first Black Panther film. I remember Killmonger goes into the museum and robs the museum. That's where he steals that iconic mask that he has worn a few times in the comic. Um, remember, he asked the lady who was the uh, one of the curators of the of the uh, the African exhibit in that in that museum. Hey, well, how do you think your ancestors got all this stuff? You think they paid a fair price? For it? Do you think they paid a fair price for it? No. No, they stole it, right? And it's basically the exact same thing here. And like I said, this is the dark side of of you know the end of uh black the first Black Panther. And I'm glad they threw that in here. And it's it's also timely because ever since the death of Queen Elizabeth a few uh week or so ago, a few weeks ago, there's been this growing conversation about all these African antiques around the world, them being returned to their homelands, uh, because they were in fact stolen. End of story. Um, John Oliver uh, on his show actually did a story about it not too long ago, maybe a, maybe a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago. But either way, it wasn't that long ago. Um, go watch that story and listen to what he says about all these antiques being stolen from uh, Africa and other places. Um, what another Easter egg I saw was uh, when Jen and Matt are battling on a roof. There's a billboard advertising Rogers the musical, which was introduced in the Hawkeye series. That that musical is never going to happen, folks. Let it go. But it's kind of cool. We keep seeing the billboard everywhere. Um, another another Easter egg I saw um, when Vincent is talking to Luke about his new suit. He says, uh, "Yeah, when you bring me a new suit, matter of fact, I want a British AI to talk to." Uh, this is obviously a reference to Jarvis from all of the Iron Man suits. Uh, everybody doesn't need a British butler, but hell, we can all use a Jarvis, right? <laughs> um, also, another Easter egg when Matt is on the roof counting how many bad guys are in the building and that hallway fight, that hallway fight scene actually that follows, those are direct references to the Netflix series. He does that quite often with the with the hearing and hearing people's heartbeat and counting how many bad guys he has to go through. And the hallway fight scene from uh, the Netflix series is iconic. If you have not watched the Netflix Daredevil series, I implore you to watch all of the Netflix Marvel series. They were all good. Even though I rag on Finn Jones and Iron Fist, I still think the series itself is good i just think finn jones was horrible in it and uh it was nice to see um that they ported a lot of the daredevil series including the music out of that daredevil series into this episode of of, of she hulk it was fan damn tastic um I, I loved how they just let daredevil be uh very brutal in his fighting style just like the uh, netflix series in that hallway fighting scene and i'm also glad they actually got uh they finally got uh a chance for jen to say she hulk smash as she comes crashing through the roof to drop down on some bad guys i thought that was pretty cool too um uh, later we get actually one of the funniest scenes i still think it's one of the funniest scenes in the mc in the mcu so far and definitely the funniest scene in this episode matt uh matt does the walk of shame um i love the fact that they had matt doing the walk of shame because usually when they have something like this in films it's always the woman doing the walk of shame and her carrying her heels as she walks away from the apartment or the house after a night of hooking up here matt does it and he's actually full on daredevil outfit even says hi to the lady that's walking her dog as he walks by uh, he's carrying his daredevil boots like a woman would be carrying her high heels or her heels in in, in whatever movie or film that that they showed it and i thought that was so damn funny it was so damn appropriate too because how many times has jen hooked up with somebody and they ditch her or you know uh, you know they walk out on her but this time he he walks out because he has work to do and she has work to do. And it's like, yeah, but we're still cool. Right. It's it's a good it's a good walk of shame. If there's ever such thing. Um, what another Easter egg I saw um, that after the after the walk of shame, we get Jen walking back into walking uh, from her bedroom into the living room and she stops and breaks the fourth wall. But there's something very unsettling about that fourth wall break. Right. It is very long. And she starts talking to us as if she knows we're there, but she's like, well, why are you here? Shouldn't we be done with this episode? It already came to an end, didn't it? Uh, and she, and it's, it's like she knows something's going to happen, but she's too happy to like let her guard down again. And um, that fourth wall break is very similar to the fourth wall break at the end of the Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, film. Um, and that was already parodied in, in Deadpool. Um, Jen continues talking in that and she even name drops Red Hulk. Now in the comics, like I talked about before, Thunderbolt Ross becomes the Red Hulk. But, and this is just a theory, what if Todd uses Jen's blood to become the Red Hulk? And this leads to the Captain America New World Order film, and like I was thinking before, which which that film does feature the leader who is the one in comics who creates the Red Hulk. 
and a bunch of other hoax. Um, go back and listen to my theory from the last episode. You, you'll understand because that one's kind of long and drawn out. I don't want to go over it again right now. Um, I now believe that when Josh and Jen hooked up, he did get her blood while she was sleeping. And that's the only way this theory will pan out, too. Uh, so it is very possible that Todd and all the guys at Intelligentsia are conspiring to become hoax or create hoax in order to take on She-Hulk and embarrass her and have power to themselves. Now, during that same scene, uh, Nikki is in her apartment uh, setting, trying to get both of them ready for their gala and setting up stuff for like makeup and hair and all that. Nikki jumps from behind the wall and she has these makeup brushes in her hand, three on each hand, but they're between her fingers. It's a Wolverine reference. You know it. I know it. Uh, it's real special now knowing that Hugh Jackman will indeed return as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. Jen also asks uh, if the twist to this episode is that if she's getting fridged. Now, if you don't know what that is in comics, getting fridged getting fridged is a euphemism for when a female protagonist gets hurt or depowered so that the story can focus on her male counterpart in the story and 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 that happens even when the series is about you know specifically the female character um and it centers on her but still they will take her out and you know focus on a male character in it um this reference is actually named after the moment um when the girlfriend of green lantern Kyle rayner in dc comics gets killed and is literally stuffed in a fridge yeah that's where the term comes from it is really dark and the fact that they threw that in there off the cuff is crazy it ain't a whole lot of people that knows what that is but like i've like i've said a hundred times before green lantern is my favorite character that's really the only reason i know i had to go look that up to make sure i had that right and sure enough that's what it's from now uh at the awards gala uh when jen is uh getting uh, basically embarrassed and slut shamed on stage she gets angry and she tears down the stage monitors and then the room has these emergency lights they start flashing red and they're going off and people start uh start to flee i haven't seen anybody say this but me but this scene is very reminiscent of that infamous prom scene from the movie carrie the original one i don't know about the second one because i never did watch it but the original carrie this that scene of watching her stand on stage and watch people just flee like she's some monster and they're all scared and the room is bathed in red it is just like that that scene carrie uh, go back and watch it again and just be, and and tell me i'm wrong i dare you to tell me i'm wrong um the last easter egg is uh, outside of the gala Jen catches one of the intelligentsia guys, but she has to let him go because the Department of Damage Control and the police, they show up with repulsor guns and these gigantic sonic cannons that are mounted on top of trucks. Um, this is very reminiscent of the 2000, uh, 2008 Incredible Hulk film, the one with Edward, Edward Norton. These are the same weapons from the Miss Marvel series. These are all the same weapons that they use to keep uh, superpowered individuals under control. Um, the fact that they were already there, basically, and ready that tells me that this is not just intelligentsia. This is a setup. And I think this is a government setup because they're like, no, the hell with that. We got one Bruce. We got one Bruce. Uh, we got one Hulk running around. We're not going to have two running around with the power without keeping an eye on you guys at all times. Um, that's all of the Easter eggs. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's more, but those are the ones, the ones I wanted to highlight. This is easily the best episode out of the series. It's not even close. Uh, like I said, it was a 10 out of 10. I can't wait for the finale. Like I said, I really, really hope it's longer than 30 minutes. They got a lot to do. 30 minutes is just not going to be enough uh, to finish up uh, finish up this series. I hope, hope the last episode is at least 45 minutes. I think they could probably cut it to 45 minutes and be all right with like no commercials. If this was like a regular uh, broadcast station, they'd probably need a whole hour. But 45 minutes should be enough. Please, please, Disney, if you're listening, please, please. You already shot it, I know. But go back and do something. Make this series, make this uh, episode longer than 30 minutes. Um, our next topic, I want to talk about the Dahmer series. Yeah, I know that's kind of dark. <laughs> it's kind of dark, but this is the last thing we're going to talk about before the last call. I want to talk about the Dahmer series. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, I'm not one of these kooky birds that like to walk out, you know, like to walk around and, and study serial killers, but I do know about Jeffrey Dahmer. It's just one of those things that pop culture has you know exploited and talked about <clears throat> excuse me talked about ad nauseum there have been many films about jeffrey dahmer already there have been many documentaries about jeffrey dahmer already i've seen a few i mean hell i've i even watched the the movie where jerry jeremy renner played <laughs> played jeffrey dahmer i bet you didn't even know that that was out but yes that's out there um evan peters scared the absolute shit out of me and i mean that honestly if you have ever seen any of the interviews, the real interviews with the actual Jeffrey Dahmer about everything that he had done while he was in jail and they were questioning him. If you have ever seen any of them and then you watch this, you will know 
If you have not watched any of those interviews, then you won't know. But I will tell you, if you don't know, Evan Peters channeled so much of Jeffrey Dahmer in this damn series, in this damn uh, Netflix series. I didn't know if that was Evan Peters acting or if that was the real Jeffrey Dahmer sitting on the damn screen. It was so terrifying watching this man act. Every single thing that I know about Jeffrey Dahmer, I had already known, known, and they had it in this film. And knowing that it's all real made this even more terrifying. And I have to give it up to that entire crew, to the writers, to them, uh, to the filmographers, to everybody involved in this series. Netflix did a fantastic job telling this story. I know for a lot of people watching this would seem like, hey, I don't want to see this because he killed a lot of gay men. He killed a lot of black and brown guys. And this isn't cool. This is basically just trying to rehash something and give fame to a white guy who killed a lot of innocent people. But for me, looking at it, it is more of a character study. And like I said, going into watching it, I just wanted to see it because I wanted to see how close uh, the actors and everybody in it could tell the story from everything that I had already known from, you know, many, 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 many moons of checking out stuff that had to do with Jeffrey Dahmer. Knowing everything that I knew going into it, I just wanted to just see the acting. And I have to say it was it was phenomenal. It was a masterclass. This entire series is a masterclass on how to tell a story, especially a story about something in real life. Um, if this was a documentary, it would probably win documentary of the year. I don't know if it'll win any awards for, you know, um, short run special series or whatever the hell, all these categories they got at the Academy Awards, but I could see it winning something. It was that good. If you've never seen it or if you know nothing about Jeffrey Dahmer, I would. And if you want to learn something and maybe, you know, I, I don't know. It's just character study. If, if you just want to do character study because you're a writer, watch this series it will open your eyes to a lot of things like i said it, it it's it's definitely in the right place it came out in october around spooky season because that because evan peters was so damn spooky I'm, I'm not killing you i'm not kidding you when i tell you you scared the shit out of me <laughs> you know to go from talking about last week about why things you know horror movies aren't scary anymore maybe that's the problem is because we know that they're fake and this scared the absolute hell out of me because i know that it was all real and shout out to niecy nash because she was the absolute star after Evan Peters of this series. She was so damn good. I think people underestimate just how good of an actress she actually is. But she was phenomenal. This entire series was phenomenal. Like I said, everybody attached to this should be commended. It was great. Uh, like I said, if you don't want anything to do with serial killers, don't watch it. But if you just want to understand what character study is and how to present um, even the hardest topics, this is a masterclass on how to do it. It was fantastic. 10 out of 10. <laughs> so I guess I guess two times I give something to 10 out of 10 in one episode, even though I've never done it before. Uh, but that's it for it. Uh, welcome to the to the last part of this episode, the last call. Um, I like I said, I, I had no intention on speed running this, but I had to because that is a lot of stuff. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we should be clocking at probably around 51, 52 minutes right about now into the episode. And like I and you can imagine what it well, how long this episode would be if I had taken breaks, if I had taken breaks, I should say. <laughs> but let's let's end this episode. Let's talk about the weekend watch list. Uh, if you have not watched any of the She-Hulk and this episode intrigued you, please watch the entire series. It is not perfect by any means. They have problems with CGI. I've talked about it, but it is still a very good episode. I mean, it's still a very good series. Very fun to watch. House of the Dragon, by far the best thing on right now, even with all the incest and murder. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power is right up there with House of, House of the Dragon. I promise you it is. I know I'm not talking about it a lot, but um, once the series is over, I'll go back and review the entire run of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Um, so watch all of those. Um, our, we don't have a film pick because I'm not really watching any films this weekend. I got a lot of series uh, under our series, Quantum Leap. Um, watch Quantum Leap. It is not a uh, reboot. They're not redoing the series. It is literally a direct continuation. It is so damn good so far. If you've never seen any of the series, um, I don't want to say not watch this, but I would, if you've never watched the original, I would say at least watch three or four episodes of the original. It's out there. 
um, watch three, four episodes of the original, then watch this series uh, just to keep just to keep yourself update on what's actually going on. Because, like I said, this is a direct continuation. It is so damn good. I get the same feels and the same oohs and ahs from the original series I had when I was younger. So this isn't nostalgia talking. This is actually just because they are doing a phenomenal series uh, so far. Um, our animation pick, we are actually we have three of them. Um, Intergalactic, which is on Netflix. I've watched it already. We are going to do a review of that. I'm going to watch the entire run again, and then I will talk about it probably next week. Um, Legends of Mana, the Teardrop Crystal. It debuts this weekend. It'll be the first episode. Looks very interesting. I want to see it. Um, then there's another one I was I was um, recommended by Corey. You know, Corey, he's basically the co-founder of this series, even though I own everything. He was the one that talked me into using the name and into getting this done. He is a very good friend, super nerd, super into anime. He's given me a new anime to watch. It's called Aesthetica of a Rogue Hero. It's it's Isekai, and he loves Isekai, so he, obviously that's what he's going to give me. Uh, he's telling me it's very good, and he's telling me they have, let's just say it's softcore pornish. I, did, I look that's what he told me i have not watched it i will figure it out if it is or if it is not um that's the whole weekend watch list um like watch all that stuff at your leisure man i just i recommend stuff every weekend uh I'm, I'm probably gonna not do it on the episodes anymore going forward um because going forward we are closing in on 100 episodes i know i, I touched on that last week we are true indeed truly indeed closing in on 100 episodes uh, i'm actually going back to count how many episodes how many full episodes i've done because i know if you look at the count if you look if you're listening to us on um if you're listening to this on spotify or apple or wherever they're going to give you a count of how many episodes i've done but some of those aren't actually episodes some of them are trailers and commercials and i don't want to count those as full episodes uh so i'm going to go back i'm going to double check make sure i'm not crazy um and check to see how many of those i'm going to subtract from from 100 and say okay moving forward i just want to double check and make sure then we'll know exactly what episode is episode 100 right not not including the trailers and all those um but even by my count off the top of my head this will happen sometime in november when we hit episode 100 i will let you know ahead of time and um i know episode 100 is going to have a different framework it won't be a regular episode it's going to be me uh, talking about where we're going to go forward after this season is over because that episode episode 100 will be the last one for this season um, and then we'll pick back up afterwards and I'll let you know how long that layoff is going to be. Um, I'm going to sit down and talk with a bunch of people and, and you're going to hear their thoughts on what 100 episodes mean to them because they've walked with me uh, thus far from the very beginning. And uh, we're going to actually sit down and talk with Nikki Rev, our producer. You actually get to meet her finally. Um, She's actually going to get on the mic and talk with me. Uh, so uh, outside of that if you want to stay in touch with me or contact me for anything tell me i'm doing good or tell me i suck or tell me you want, to, want me to talk about something or you want or you think i should talk about something or maybe something you want me to review you want to hear my thoughts on um you can follow me on twitter and contact me through twitter at riddick's rule that's at r-i-double-d-i-c-k-s rule r-u-l-e um you don't have to capitalize nothing you can just keep it lowercase uh you you can't miss it it's got my face on it. it's the same face that you see on the instagram page at the underscore tweakle underscore pod that's our instagram page and you can catch me on youtube playing video games and doing other stuff at wolf in nerd clothing w-o-l-f-i-n nerd n-e-r-d clothing is spelled with a k and yes because the acronym for that is wink w-i-n-k uh, yes i'm i'm weird like that it is what it is if you want to contact me or get in contact with me just if any of those it all it's all good uh maybe next maybe next season we'll come up with a uh come up with a with a blog page and uh and an, and an email that way you can contact me as well but we'll we'll figure that out as we go um but besides that thank you very much for tuning in i know i say it all the time but i still mean it every time i say it i don't care if it's one five ten a hundred or a thousand of you thank you very much for tuning into this pokey little podcast you didn't have to but you did and i am very well and truly grateful thank you very much for rocking with me thus far um you get out there and have a good weekend take care of yourself take care of your families don't do nothing i wouldn't do but that's not saying much um eat some food enjoy yourselves you know just be happy it's getting chilly outside but hey enjoy it anyway go to the apple orchard go to the apple orchard or something pick apples and pumpkins but besides that we say the same thing we say every single time we part god bless i love you and peace see you next time